This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. A two-week coaching search is in the books, and Mike Elko is now the new head coach at Texas A&M. A search that had a little bit of craziness towards the end. We're going to certainly get into all of that and um, what it means bringing Mike Elko to back to Aggieland after uh, originally serving as the defensive coordinator for four years and then a two-year stint at Duke. I'm um, also going to get into what kind of the next couple of weeks look ahead, a busy couple of weeks. I don't think he's going to be sleeping a whole lot over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, speaking of not sleeping a whole lot, Carter, you haven't slept a whole lot either. Um, as of late, kind of tracking this search, there's been a lot of, you were at the uh, his arrival at like 2 o'clock in the morning over in uh, College Station. Um, how have you been? And just what are kind of your initial reactions to the hire? I've been good. I've, I'm looking forward to that first, you know, seven, eight hours sleep. Uh, been at Starbucks quite a bit lately. Uh, had had someone tell me that the other night. It always seems like you're there getting a large coffee at 9 p.m. Uh, but, you know, that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, just talking about Mike Elko for a second, um, reaction to it, really two ways to look at it. Um, on one hand, you could say, hey, this isn't a, a, a splash hire. This isn't a sexy hire. Um, it's not, you know, the reaction that you'd get if, say, a Dan Lanning or a Kalen DeBoer or Mike Norvell, that kind of guy would get hired here. But um, in my opinion, I think it's an awesome hire. I, I think just because it ain't sexy doesn't mean it's not good. And uh, with Mike Elko, I think he say he kind of solves a lot of the problems that uh, kind of became a thing under Jimbo Fisher here at the end. You know, they I've always said like when you're dating somebody or you're in a relationship and it goes wrong and you, there's an ugly breakup, you usually try to date someone who's the opposite of that person. You know, if it's a a blonde, you'll go to a brunette. If it's someone who's outgoing, maybe you go for a shy person next. That's kind of what it is with with Mike Elko here. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, you know, had certainly had a lot of strengths, but if you had to point to some weaknesses, it's kind of you know lacked organization, lacked structure, uh, lacked discipline on his team. Didn't use the transfer portal very well. Bad offense, you know, all these sort of things. Not adaptable. 
Mike Elko, uh, discipline, structure, organization, all words we've been hearing uh, when we ask folks about uh, Elko. Uh, smart was, you know, a word I got. Uh, de- deliberate, you know, ma- really makes the right decisions. Um, those are sort of the, the the words you use that you've heard to, that have been, you know, this way of, this, of describing Mike Elko. Um, obviously, offense will be the big question mark. Um, but I think the good thing about Mike Elko is he's someone who seems very adaptable. Will you know, let the OC that he hires kind of handle that sort of thing. And, you know, he's not going to be somebody who wants to have full control of that. So um, I think he kind of understands his, uh, his deficiencies. He understands, you know, what he can and can't do. Um, and I don't think you could say the same thing about Jimbo Fisher. There was a lot of times where, you know, there's clearly something wasn't working and he doubled and tripled down on it. Uh, you're not going to get that Mike Elko. And with the roster he inherits, the situation he's coming in, really I think you only need a, a few tweaks and then this is a, a college football playoff team. So uh, he's got to make the right hires. He's got to get the right offensive coordinator. And he's got to get maybe a few transfers that are, you know, impact kind of guys. But I, I really think he just needs a few tweaks. And, and this is a really dang good football team next year. Yeah, I think he's gone about it the right way. And I think you you hit on a lot of the really important and and points I would have hit on as well. And and just talking to people even Sunday night and 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 Sunday afternoon, you 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 kind of it wasn't the flashy hire like we talked about. They were flashy hires out there. And you and, and I would also just note to people, there's not like a guaranteed slam dunk hire. You know, I think people kind of thought that Jimbo Fisher was that slam dunk hire when he came over from A&M, uh, when he came over to A&M from Florida State. Uh, I believe it was one of only five coaches, active coaches to have won a national championship. And you know what? The program kind of stalled out. And so I think when you look at, when you talk to people about Mike Elko, the reaction is, hey, really solid football coach. That I heard that from a lot of different people that have interacted with him. Really solid defensive coach, knows the game of football, and is going to put a good staff around him. And I think that feedback to me is kind of him knowing, like you said, knowing his strengths and weaknesses, knowing what he does well. Okay, the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to leave to you know strength and conditioning. Going to leave to um, – you know, other guys who, who, and, and, and just understanding where people kind of do well and, and being that CEO type that we've talked about before on, you know, needing to, needing to kind of be able to delegate to people, especially with transfer portal and NIL and, and recruiting and managing your own roster. It's just, there's a lot that, that is in the game now. And, and when you try to do all of it, you kind of get overwhelmed and, and you're disorganized and, and things slip. And so, um, I think he's gone about it the right way, trying to prioritize the roster that's on campus right now and 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 try to lock that down first because we've talked about this is one of the best rosters in the country. And if you're prioritizing those guys first and trying to keep as many as you possibly can, now in the age of the transfer portal, he's going to keep everybody? No, we've already seen Max Johnson uh, depart from North Carolina. Um, there will probably be others as well that uh, is natural in college football, but you want to be able to lock down your own roster first then prioritize your own class and uh, and go from there and and those meetings have have already started so i 
I think he's a really solid hire. I think he really knows the game. We've had a chance to kind of watch him in kind of camp settings and around practice. And obviously the results that he had late in his tenure as the defensive coordinator speak for themselves. And so, you know, I think it, it, there's no guarantee a hire is ever going to work out, but I think there's a lot of things to like about the hire and, and, you know, really good person, really solid football coach. And now you see where it goes from here in the next couple of years. Yeah. And really just to highlight, uh, and I know we're going to kind of go into the craziness of the, the coaching yeah. search, uh, but really important a uh, couple weeks coming up with the, the portal mm-hmm. it's already open for AM players since Jimbo Fisher was hired or, or fired. And so it'll be open for them until January 3rd. That's that's the last day it can be open. Um, not to mention AM's going to be looking at transfers to add. Uh, you know, you look up and down this roster, could probably add some guys at linebacker if you assume that Edger and Cooper is gone and, you know, Chris Russell is leaving, uh, uh, expiring eligibility. You know, safety could be another one, maybe, or probably more corner, I would say. I'd say linebacker corner are probably the big priorities. Offensive line, once again, you know, you could upgrade at yeah. multiple offensive line positions. Um, and then if there's a stud out there that you really like, stud receiver, stud running back, Stud tied in. I mean, the, the more the merrier, right? So uh, under Jimbo Fisher, we didn't see him use the portal at all. He finally did it last year, and he kind of got a lot of scrubs. Like none of those guys played except Judd A. Walker and Josh DeBerry. Uh, and so Elko getting six, seven, eight impact players, I, I think it could be really interesting. You could start to see the use of the portal, more of a modern-day way of 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 using it uh something you could see obviously the high school uh signing day or the early signing period december 20th another key date to remember i know we'll, we'll break down that a little bit more here later yeah. but um and then you talk about putting together the staff already made some changes you know petrino took the job at, at arkansas he got rid of damian craig the wide receivers coach steve adazio the offensive line coach a lot of Aggie fans weren't shedding many tears about that. Uh, and so um, some replacements for sure that will be coming in. Uh, I don't expect that they're done uh, replacing their staff. And, and yeah. I know there's some guys that watch it do uh, we can get into. But anyway, um, going to yeah, be in a few weeks. Yeah, um, just to just to go back, because I think that's, that's a good place to start, right, is that – it's kind of looking at the end of that coaching search and then we'll kind of, we'll kind of to give everybody kind of a roadmap, we'll kind of start here and then we'll, we'll kind of work forward from there. So um, coaching searches usually have a lot of craziness to them. And I think this one certainly had some craziness towards the end. And Ross Bjork was certainly asked about that on, uh, on Monday during the, during his press conference, but uh, things really started to get a little bit wild uh, Saturday night. Obviously there was, your rumors and hot boards and all that sort of stuff with Ryan Day and Dava Sweeney and and Dan Lanning and you know Jed Fish and a whole a whole lot of names. I think Russ Bjork said they talked to thirty people um, yeah. close to there um, during the process. So really, a lot of names were involved in this thing. And then Saturday night, uh, you know, everything starts up with with Mark Stoops and um, at Kentucky. They had just come off a big win over. 
Louisville earlier in the day, and then things kind of fall apart. And, you know, two to three hours, depending on who you talk to, there's a lot of different opinions about how that all played out. Um, what did you kind of, and then obviously by Saturday night, it was kind of dead and Sunday was, was on to kind of Elko and Elijah Robinson. And, and, you know, obviously A&M ended up moving to close the deal with, with Mike Elko by the end of that night, by, by the end of Sunday night. But what, what did you kind of make of the craziness? I think the lesson is right. That, that nothing's done until it's done um, is kind of the big, big, I think one of the big takeaways and, and always, true during coaching searches. Uh, but what do you kind of make of just everything that kind of went on with the craziness of Saturday night? Yeah, let me just give you sort of my perspective on yeah. how everything played out because the LSU game, I was there covering it, and it was such a pointless game, if I'm being quite honest. It was kind of like this game has no relevance to anything that this program – will do this season or next season. It's just sort of a, if you win a game, you feel good about it, but you forget about it the next day. Um, but something I noticed walking in the stadium, I was in the elevator with uh, Bill Mahomes, a board of regent at A&M, and he was there with Ross Bjork. And so, you know, seeing that, you knew it was decision time and you'd been hearing that, hey, they're really wanting to get this done by the end of the weekend. So you knew that something was about to happen. Uh, and, you know, it was unfortunate for me kind of having to cover the game and, and be kind of involved with that. And after the game, it took me two hours to find my car. It was one of the most insane uh, situations. I'm in dress shoes. My, I feel like my feet are bleeding. I just kind of want to get in bed and, and hibernate because I was in agony. But uh, I knew something was about to go down. And, we had kind of started to hear rumblings about uh, Mark Stoops uh, and him becoming a thing. And, you know, uh, our coworker, Jeff Tarpley, uh, came out with the story that, you know, hey, they're, they're focusing in on him, that he's, he's kind of the top guy. And yeah. you know, it's not a done deal yet, but it, it looks like this is trending that way. And I know there was a lot of other reports out there um, from various outlets about it. Um, and then really ever since that was posted on our site, I mean, <laughs> I've never seen more downvotes on a story that quick. It was the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> like it was hard to process it all at the time, but looking back on it, it was hilarious. You know, I had yeah, you one got hit with the download. You got hit with the downvote avalanche. Yes. There was one guy that was telling me like, kill yourself, Carter. And I'm like, bro, like I'm not the one that did this. You know, I'm not the one who yeah. made this decision. Uh, it was really entertaining. Uh, and then you just saw people lose their minds, like Twitter, message boards, everywhere. Uh, and then you yeah. saw the players. I, I know Jacoby Matthews was like putting out there like, hey, you know, we want Erob. You know, all these yeah. other players. Jamar Stewart had these crying laughing emojis like, are you kidding me? You know, uh I, a lot of the defense alignment in particular had tweets about this. Uh, I think Jaden Scarlett went on a Twitter space and was like, yeah, I don't want Stoops as my coach. You know, it was like, whoa, you know, this is, is... all out there. And yeah. uh, I had kind of, uh, after the fact, 
checked with, you know, people who have knowledge of the, the locker room and the players. And one of the most hilarious things that I was told that night, and it, it's one of those deals that's it's kind of hard to believe because of how well-known Mark Stoops is and he's in the SEC. But they had, this person had told me, like, the players, some of them didn't even know who he was. They were just like, who? Like, when this was announced, they're like, are yeah. Like, who is Mark Stoops? And they look up his head coach record and they're like, 73 and 64, 33 and 55 in the SEC. They thought it was a joke. They thought that a prank had been done on them. Uh, one person said that some players thought it was like some sort of hoax or something uh, or some conspiracy. It, it was just such a hilarious reaction. I, I think the players were in disbelief by it because it, not that Mark Stoops is a bad coach, it's just, like, really, Mark Stoops? You know, it was just such a shock. Um, and, you know, on our side of things, we had basically heard that, you know, it was Ross Bjork who was kind of pushing this. And, you know, a, a deal was never finalized or done. But, you know, Mark Stoops was telling people around him that this was, you know, in the process of happening. And I don't think a tweet or a message board post is what collapsed the deal. You know, I think what's more influential is if you hear from a donor, hey, I'm not sending money to your program, or you hear from players, hey, we're all going to go to the transfer portal if this happens. That's the kind of stuff that carries a lot more weight than some guy bickering on a message board. So I just think the culmination of all that and the fact that it had not even been approved yet by the board of regents. I think that uh, from the A&M side of things, I can't speak as much to the Kentucky side of things. That's what kind of collapsed the deal. And then, yeah. you know, we've, we've tracked this. A&M did fly to North Carolina that night. Uh, that's uh, Saturday night, uh, late in the Sunday morning to meet with Mike Elko and talk with him about it. And I know the reports came out in the afternoon, like, hey, this is looking like they're going to laser in on Elko now. And, you know, here we are again. It's like, oh, it's not even final yet. This is this is out there. Is this going to happen again? Yeah. Um, I had been in touch with, with people in his camp, and I kind of got the go-ahead uh, a little bit after midnight, I want to say, or maybe I'm, I'm getting the timing wrong, but sometime in the night, in the evening – it yeah. was officially done. It was the deal was done. Uh, the MOU was, was nailed out, you know, soon. And uh, we learned about that Monday. But it was just a crazy 24 hours. I I always talk about, um, I, I said this with Jimbo Fisher when he was fired. You always, like Michael Jackson dying, you remember where you were, when it was, what, what the reaction was. This is another one of those things where it's like Aggie fans and us reporters and Mark Stoops and Mike Elko and all and Ross Bjork, all the people involved, they will never forget that night and just how crazy it was. And uh, I think Aggie fans are, are kind of done thinking about talking about it. Now they're all excited about Elko, deservedly so. I just think it's so fun to think back about the craziness of that night and, you know, how historic it was. We'd seen it happen before the Greg Schiano and Jeremy Pruitt thing. There have been things that have happened like it. 
Uh, Notre Dame had a coach 20 years ago who was hired, did his introductory press conference, and 30 years, 30 years later, or, sorry, 30 days later, he was fired for lying on his resume. Um, we've seen crazy, weird things happen before in college yeah. football. This was just added to that. So anyway, f- fun, fun weekend, and glad it's finally over. Yeah, no, Dad, I think for a lot of reasons, they, and, and we'll get into why after a quick break, but A&M definitely wanted to get it done this weekend, like you said, from the transfer portal standpoint, and, and that went to, you know, those players' opinions matter because one of A&M's primary goals just during this entire thing was to keep the roster intact, and there's obviously enough roster or enough talent on the roster to to win right now, and, and Ross Bjork kind of, didn't really address the what happened. Just said, you know, as long as you get to kind of where you, where you get to in the end during the process, you know, said they were in contact with more than five people on Saturday during the um, during the day, but said as long as you get to where you feel good about it at the end of the day, um, that's where he feels uh, things are the most important. So, you know, one of those things that it'll, it'll certainly be, you know, A and M and Mark Stoops will kind of be be because of that you know because of that that whole situation but uh you know it, it it's it was certainly a wild ride to watch how that all played out and and go from there we're gonna we're gonna we've got plenty more to get into on on mike elko on on what kind of the the next steps looking forward are his introductory press conference that took place on monday and um you know again what are kind of the priorities moving for him moving forward for him so uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a quick break to discuss all that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. Andrew Hattersey and Carter Carls here to break it all down with Mike Elko in his first week on the job at Texas A&M. Press conference on Monday afternoon, the welcome celebration uh, took place dead by uh, Carter. What did you kind of take away from, from that press conference right off the bat? Yeah, I think uh, press conferences, introductory press conferences, no one ever loses them. Typically they're always, you know, things are well thought out and said perfectly that the fan base wants to hear. Um, at, at the same th- time though, I do think Elko did a really nice job kind of addressing some things either directly or indirectly uh, that you know, need to be fixed or need to be addressed or things that he wants to bring to this team. You know, he talked a lot about bringing a blue collar mentality, you know, and, and put, being willing to put in the work. Uh, he talked about how, you know, there is no button you pr- press. There's no elevator to, you know, become a national title contender. You've got to take the stairs every day and, and continue that climb. And, I just think when you think about this program, where it was over the last couple seasons, you know, you saw guys missing practice, missing games, uh, showing up late to meetings, like uh, getting suspended for things. You saw 
26 or 27 t- uh, players leave for the transfer portal after the 2022 season. They just didn't have a culture or a discipline or structure. It was just very out of sorts. And, yeah. you know, you, you still had a lot of great players and, and people in that locker room. It's just they didn't have that cohesion that you saw out of the 2020 team uh, and, and even the 2021 team when Elko was was here. And so I think he knows that and he is ready to address that. He's meeting with all the players already, uh, talking with recruits, parents already. And, you know, the kind of early word is that those meetings have gone well. The players obviously knew him back from his time here, uh, four seasons as a D.C. here. But um, he's somebody that uh, players tend to like, you know. I, I So I think uh, he said all the right things there. Uh, you know, he, I mentioned indirect. I thought it was so interesting how he talked about the Texas High School Coaches Association, mm-hmm. how important that would be. Uh, I asked him about it later, and you know, I think he appreciated the question because he he wanted to keep talking about it. Uh, he talked about it again today on uh, on ESPN. It was either on Feinbaum or the Pat McAfee show. Talked about it again, and that was one of the big weaknesses flaws from Jimbo was that wasn't the most well-received coach with with high school coaches here in the state of Texas and you know for various reasons and some fair some not uh but Elko I think he knows he knows saying that kind of stuff would go a long way um not that that's going to be the difference in winning and losing games but I just think he said the right things he identified the right things and I think he knows what it's going to take for this program to get there. Whether he does it, you know, we'll see. But I think it's a good sign that he knows what this program needs. Yeah, I think hitting on the um, hitting on the Texas high school coaches right off the bat was was really smart because you know whether people want to you know you know you hear people say well they don't they don't uh, matter as much and all that sort of thing they do matter and they're they're in kids' lives quite a bit. And so if you can make, I, I put it to people this way, if you can make that good first impression, you can make that connection with them right off the bat and get off, get off on a good note. Because if you think about it, like with, with Jimbo Fisher, remember that things were kind of didn't get off to the best start there in terms of, did he reach out to trainers first? Did he reach out to coaches first? And and that was one of the things that was kind of talked about right off the bat. And so just to make it a point of emphasis to kind of set the table you know, the contact period starts on Friday. You're going to be in high school starting basically Friday and, and going through the next couple of weeks into, into January, into, into, um, you know, next year and, and, and starting off on a good note, put stressing the importance of that relationship right off the bat and, and making that a point of emphasis, it's going to help him in the, in the early going. And it's just, it's one of the things that gets your tenure off to a good start the other thing I liked about just what he said, whether it was on the um, the Feinbaum show earlier today, I think he said it on Pat McAfee as well. It was like a blue collar way to the way he's approaching it. And, and you know, he was kind of asked about, uh, you know, nothing on the shelf behind him and said, we need to win some games first and then we can start worrying about, you know, putting stuff on stuff on the shelf next year and, and just kind of talked about and, 
you know, those, and I've, I've, I've been in a lot of high school, you know, off season programs where they're, you know, this message kind of gets hammered home there too, is it's like, it's not the glamorous work that takes place in, you know, September, you don't just go out and play well in September. There's kind of that mindset that has to be instilled in January and February and off season workouts. And those months aren't fun. Like those, those are not the fun months. Those are not the times of the year that, but you got to love to do it and you got to want to do it. And, and those are the months that you can get better. You can, uh, and they build a foundation heading into spring ball. They build a foundation heading into the fall and they're really, really important months, even if they aren't the most exciting and fun and, and all that. So um, there's some early warnings. There's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. So there was, they kind of had like a blue collar feel to, to the work he kind of talked about. Um, and I think, you know, he kind of clarified what he meant by it, but um, talking about, you know, A&M has to stop talking about being great and just go about doing it. And, and that starts with, and he, play, he kind of mentioned that again with the workouts and, how it starts with that sort of stuff. And they've got to, they've got to be good in January and February and the weight room and off season conditioning stuff to get where they want to go in the fall. And I thought that was just a good message to kind of set the tone right off the bat for the off season. Again, it goes to discipline. It goes to being organized. It goes to, uh, you know, taking all the little things seriously and, 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 and that instills a culture and, and that's where it all starts. So um, really liked a lot of what he said during the press conference. And like you said, it, it, you say it now and then, and then it's time to go to work. And I think that's kind of the way they're approaching it. Speaking of kind of going to work, that's that work has already started. Um, and I know you have a story up on the site. I encourage you. We got a ton of reactions and stories up over on Gigum 24 seven. So encourage people to head over to the site and, and check it all out. But you had, you had a little bit on, as, as we kind of look ahead to what's next in the next couple of weeks, you had a, a little bit on coaching staff and kind of how things are coming together there just to give people a, an early update. How are things going on on that? Front? Yeah, I think right now Mike Elko has had such a whirlwind of reaching out to players, recruits, talking to his own staff about plans. Uh, I know he is in the process of reaching out and, and, and kind of making that effort of, of, you know, hiring a new staff. But, you know, these people that are coming up with offensive coordinator uh, hot boards on, you know, Monday or Sunday, I'm just like, guys, this, this is going to take a bit. He's kind of mentioned on, uh, you know, various platforms that he's going to take his time with this. He's not going to rush into hiring certain guys. Um, we know that uh, you know, our coworker uh, Jeff Tarkley reported uh, on Monday. Uh, I think it was Monday. David uh, Feely Monday. Yeah. Uh, at Duke, their their kind of strength and conditioning guy, is a guy they're going to bring in. And man, that guy! If you if you have not watched him or know about him, he's someone you got to look into. He's most known really for three seasons at Miami. I think I think what it was is no player on the team ever missed time with a soft tissue injury. And incredible. I, I think A and M fans are just like, excuse me, because I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many players this year. I, I can't speak as much the last year since I wasn't here, but we'd see players miss games, and we're like, is he really hurt? Is, is he actually hurt? And then sometimes Jimbo would say like. Oh, he chose to not play today because he felt 
kind of like I'm not going to speculate and mention names. I'm just saying there, and this dates back to his time at Florida State. Jimbo was very lenient on letting players kind of do what they want. They didn't want to play. They want to show up late to practice. They, you know, show up late to a workout, you know, those, that kind of stuff. Like there was not a lot of discipline there. Uh, and you had some consequences from that. So uh, bringing in a strength and conditioning coach who can kind of lay down the law. Jeff Tarpley mentioned that uh, three of the offensive linemen who transferred into Duke last year quit during winter workouts because of how <laughs> insane the workouts were. Yeah. And you just think about, I mean, I remember talking to a trainer uh, in the spring who had worked with a lot of A&M guys and the thing, not naming names, but the thing that that person said was, man, I'm getting some guys and I'm like amazed at how undertrained they are. You know, in various ways, you know, they're they're either weak or not as flexible as they should be or not conditioned properly. I think you can point to after that 21 season, this team kind of became soft. Like I said, a lot of guys missing time. I mean, you should not be missing like eight starters every game. That, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. People just normalize it of, oh, people get banged up and it's football. No, like these guys are on the sideline. They look fine. You know, they don't have major injuries. And sometimes you just got to play through it. So I think that hire could be really, really massive to bringing some toughness into this program as well needed. I think that's the number one thing that Elko is trying to instill in this program is toughness. Probably yep. the biggest missing ingredient they had. Um, outside of that, I think the biggest thing that everyone wants to know is offensive coordinator. What is he going to do there? You know, you yep. got a guy too that you could bring over. Uh, special teams coach is another one. Never had a special teams coach under Jimbo Fisher. We saw that kind of cost them uh, this year. Every every big loss they had, uh, a special teams disaster was part of that loss. <laughs> like literally we every – talked about it on here quite a bit actually. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just talking to people in the program, they're just like, how do we not have a special teams coach? Like it's the stupidest thing ever. And yeah. like, um, you know, you, you heard a, a few different things. That, the travel schedule, people are like, yeah, no one does that, you know. But special teams coach was the big one. That is a really important side of the game that you need someone on the field dedicated toward that and they've ever had. So I expect Elko to fill that position with someone. Uh, again, we'll see. It's still early, but biggest things you got to watch for that strength and conditioning coach, OC and special, special teams. Coach. O-line coach too. I mean, they've got to fix a lot of problems there. Yep. That'll obviously also be pretty important. No doubt. And then you've got the recruiting front as, as well, which uh, just added on to all right and this is kind of one of those things they've talked about over the past couple of years with with the way coaching cycles work now you don't have a lot of time you got to hit the ground running uh, the contact period will open up on friday coaches can begin hitting the road and uh, we'll be able to hit hit the road until uh, december 16th and, and then you've got a quiet period um, on that sunday and signing and the early signing period begins december 20th and a&m right now sits with 20 
commitments as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon, the number 10 class um, nationally, and trying to finish, you know, a, try to keep as many of those guys in the boat. You heard about Mike Elko talk about I trying to get on the phone with as many of those commits as he possibly can, as quickly as he can to um, lock them in and, and be able to solidify that group and then go from there. And, and that process has already started. Um, started a little bit Tuesday night with some phone calls that that uh, went into Wednesday. Right now, like December 9th is going to be a, a pretty big weekend. Um, Jordan Pride has already confirmed that he's going to be there. The Jordan Lockhart is planning to be there as well. Miles O'Neill has also talked about being there. And so uh, that, that's looking to shape up to be a pretty big weekend and, and a chance for them to get FaceTime, you know, an important note there is when coaching changes happen, even though these guys have already used an official visit to A&M, you get, an, a sec, you get a second official visit that allows you to come back and, and, and meet face-to-face with the coaching staff. So going to be an important weekend, and they're already starting on that front. And, you know, the early reactions of talking with Jordan Pride about it said, you know, the, his first conversation was great. They had it on Wednesday afternoon said that, you know, it was just kind of learning about their backgrounds, learning where he kind of sees, sees, uh, you know, A&M going in the next couple of years, wants a guy like Jordan Pride in the program to be able to develop. And so, you know, these are important first conversations because, and I mentioned this on, in some notes on Monday that for A&M fans, Mike Elko is very familiar, right? Spent four years there for some of these recruits, not you know some of them like Draylon Miller, who's who's obviously a really important remaining target. Uh, he took a visit to Duke, and so he's got some familiarity with with Mike Elko. They're in kind of a holding pattern right now, waiting to see what the offensive staff is going to look like. For other guys, not as familiar of a name, and so you know this is you know they they may not have been offered by Duke, may not have been you know recruited by Duke much during the process. So kind of learning about them for the first time, and and kind of going through that process and. Um, you know, big priorities, holding on to Terry Bussey, obviously holding on to Cameron Coleman, trying to fight off Auburn for him and Cohen Eccles, who were both in um, both in Auburn this past weekend to to see them play Alabama. And and I think that's the really important part is you had a lot of guys go on visits. Now it's your chance to kind of get them back on campus and and try to solidify things there. So um, not a lot of sleep for Mike Elko over the next couple of weeks as he tries to kind of get everything organized. And and then hit the ground running, obviously. And and the transfer portal, you mentioned that there's he's kind of talked about being able to fill in some of those pieces around what they do in the high school class. It needs to he, he talked about culture being really important, starting there and then being able to fill in what you need around that in the transfer portal. So gonna be really interesting to see how everything plays out. We're gonna be there to to break it all down as a reminder. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe this to this video, or if you listen to this on podcast, give us a five-star review and subscribe there as well to get a notification every time a new video drops. If you're looking to try out Gigum 24-7, now's a great time. We've got a 60% off promo um, that'll get you onto the site to uh, get all the latest VIP intel and, and, and more information from myself, Carter, Jeff Tarpley, and the rest of the 24-7 sports crew. So highly encourage it. You won't regret it. And um, we thank everybody for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy kind of getting to watch Mike Elko hit the ground running here. And uh, we will be back with you guys soon. Thanks a lot.